Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. What about this week? And here's my challenge. Before I get into some of the characteristics, I just picked three things to give it kind of a three-point sermon. I want to look at a couple of things that we see in Solomon's life that we can, I guess, use in our lives. But what if this week we all said, what if we said we're going to pick an area of our lives where we're going to face important decisions? Just pick one area, whether it's vocationally, whether it's relationally, it's monetarily. I guarantee you there is a decision that you're going to have to make either this week or next week. I'm saying this week or the coming future. What if we look at one decision that we're going to have to make and, the, and what I tell you for the rest of this sermon, what if we look at it this way? And again, this is not the James Lecce philosophy on how to live. Listen, I've made too many bad decisions in my life, right? I think all of us would agree. But listen, I'm looking at Solomon's life, right? The wisest man that ever lived. And listen, when you even look at his life, there's still a lot of folly, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's look at the quester and what he has to say. How about, how do, how do we, you know, handle our time? How do we handle the talents that God has given us? How do we handle parenting as my youngest walks in? How do we handle all these things in life, right? Let's ask for real wisdom. Let's pick one area. And here's the first thing I want to look at. The first thing that Solomon did and you may think this is really elementary, but as I get into it, you'll go, oh, I, I, a little different than I probably thought. And the first one I wrote down is, let's pray and just ask God for wisdom. Pray and ask God for wisdom. Really? You're like, really? Pray and ask God for wisdom? I needed you to tell me that this morning? Well, here's kind of what I mean with that. Let's get to a topic I think that a lot of times is misunderstood, and, and I'll I, gladly tell you this, and we mention his name a lot, or at least I mention his name a lot, Dallas Willard who passed a couple of years ago, he has so many wonderful things to say about finding the will of God for our lives. How many of us, we've heard that so many times, that, man, I just want to find the will of God for my life. I think it's one of the most misunderstood things in the Christian life. And let me give you an example of this. When I was in college, I remember, I distinctly remember, like having a prayer time once, and I was like, God, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. All right, you want me to be a pastor? wasn't crossing my mind, never thought I'd be standing up here doing this, but God, what is it that you, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do that. Tell me what your will is for my life, and I promise I will go hard after that. And I waited, and I waited, and there was silence. I never got an answer. And now listen, does God speak audibly? Sometimes we hear God, yes, okay, yes, God does. But I have to imagine many of you are like me, and you've been in situations where you prayed, and there was absolute silence. And you didn't know, and why is that? I love what Dallas Willard says, and I, I, I got it after. He says, God's primary will for your life is not the things you do, it's the person you become. Let me say that again. All right, wisdom. The primary purpose, God's primary purpose for your life, is not the things that we do, it's the person that we become. Oh, so it's not circumstantial? It's not really about our behavior. It's not, hey, what's behind door number one or door number two or door number three? No, no, no. First and foremost, I think he really hits it on the head, God's primary concern and care for us as Christians is, what kind of person are you becoming? Are you being conformed into the image of my son, Jesus Christ? That's what it's all about. 
Are you decisions? And, and is your life, are you growing in character and integrity? Are you growing into the person that he created us to be? That is the will of God. It's not about all these decisions, what our job is. Now, there are, we should be looking for big and little decisions. We should be looking to God. We should be looking to him and saying, God, where do you want to lead me here? But I think many times God is saying, what do you want to do? Willa talks about this, and I love it. What is in your heart? What has been deposited in your heart? What do you want to do? Stop asking what my will is. Ask and say, Lord, this is what I want to do. I'm asking that I would have this. I would receive this. We get so concerned about the job. Who am I supposed to marry? Am I supposed to buy this house? Am I supposed to buy this house? No, it's not really about our circumstances. What does James say? James puts it this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now let me tell you what this does not say. What James is saying here, what he's not saying here, I should say, is he's not saying, hey, look, you know, pray to God that you won't encounter any hardship, any anxiety, and he'll just help you. He'll get you through. God, I don't want any anxiety. Just make everything easy for me. Give me a life of comfort, ease, and security. That's what I want. That's not what he's saying here. No, 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 no. Many times God is not going to take that away. There is going to be some of that, the stress and trying to find that. Isn't that the beauty of the adventure? Isn't that why God gave us choice? What would the world be like if he made us and we were robots? Love is volitional. It it has to be given and received freely. Isn't that the beauty of when you look at the garden and man and woman are in the garden, they had the choice. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was a choice on their part. The fact that we are human beings and we're able to choose is one of the most wonderful things that God has given us. Well, the most wonderful thing that you could give your creation. You can choose, I want you to love me, but it has to be freely given, both ways, reciprocated. You Imagine as a parent, think of it this way, what would life be like if as a parent, from the moment your kids were young until they're older, you're telling them what to wear, you're telling them what to eat. Some of you are like sinking maybe low. I just... Um, what, to, what kind of job that they should have? Imagine if that was really life and that they get older and you've decided everything for them. I've been in education almost 20 years. I've seen that. All right? I know that's not in here, but I've seen that before. And you know what? I have to... Megan had shared an article with me, and I, I never do this. I usually... But I just came across it at about 9.45 because I had an illustration. And I said to her, what do you think of this illustration? I always confer with, with, with her because she's always got good things to say. Really, she's very insightful should always bounce things off other people. So in this article, this was a, from a Stanford dean who stepped down in 2012, retired in 2012. I sent it to Joanne. I want it on the website. It's unbelievable. And can I just read you a little piece? I promise, only a couple of sentences because I know, I'll, I know I'll lose you if I read too much. She said, uh, what will become of young adults who look accomplished on paper but seem to have a hard time making their way in the world without the constant involvement of their parents? How will the real world feel to a young person who has grown used to problems being solved for them and accustomed to praise at every turn? Is it too late for them to develop a hunger to be in charge of their own lives? And I love it that somebody's texting me as I'm reading this. Will they, will they at some point stop referring to themselves as kids and dare to claim the adult label for themselves? I mean, it goes, the article is chock full. It's wonderful. So, Joe, we're going to put that on the website, but it's really good. And it left me as a parent. I have young kids. I don't know. Many of you 
have traversed this road. You've experienced this. You've walked down this road that we, some of us younger parents are, are now encountering and what to do with our kids. And, and we don't want to be helicopter parents and you don't want to swoop in and you don't want to make everything so easy for them and you want them to learn. And what are your gifts and talents? You know what? It, it, I have said to you before, I look at my oldest. He's only five years old. He's going to be six, but he's not as athletically inclined as I thought he would be, I guess, as a young... No, no, he will be. He will be, you know. But we, you know, take him to um, tennis, and uh, he's really not that interested in, in hitting the ball. And do you want to play baseball? It's all daddy wanted to do is hit the base. No, he doesn't really care. But, but you know what? The kid wants to do science, and we're at the store yesterday, and he was so good. And I said, all right, we're going to get a little toy. The kid wants a solar system planet thing. Never in a thousand years. Thank you. Never in a thousand years when I was a kid did I say, Mommy, I want the solar system. I should have wanted that. That's what I should have wanted. As I'm older now, that's what I want. But when I was a kid, that's not what I wanted. Anyway, I'm digressing there. But imagine if that was your primary goal. No, no, no. I think the primary goal for us as parents is that we raise children in the way they should go and that they would be people when they're older, that their decisions would be, you know, full of character and that they would have integrity and they would be real people of God and they'd be able to make decisions on their own. That's one of the things the pastors aren't here. By the way, Pastor Joe is still recovering. He's getting there. He's, he'll be back soon. But what I loved about them is that's how they were. They always encouraged us to go out there. Hey, listen, you have to become your own person. You have to own your own faith. And I met, listen, I went to a Christian high school. Parents, listen to me. I have some experience in this area. I went to a Christian high school. I saw a lot of kids raised in a Christian home, and some of their parents were very strict, even kids, uh, parents that taught at the school. And I would say to you, at least 90% of those kids that I knew in high school are not walking with the Lord now. They have no interest. People I see, whether, you know, talk randomly, you hear from somebody else, they have no interest. And it amazes me, and I say, listen, I applaud my parents for the fact that they allowed us, they gave us the latitude, and they encouraged us to become, they trusted that, you know what, God is going to lead, God's going to lead you, and you are going to become the person God has created you to be. And of course, they fostered and did different things in the home, but I'm saying overall, they encouraged us to do that, and I think that's, that's really important. He wants us to decide. Again, last part of this point, he wants us to decide. Sometimes, yes, again, don't come up to here. Listen, I understand that there are times God speaks and you know exactly what you're supposed to do. I'm, I, I felt God say, I'm not supposed to take this job. We're not supposed to buy this house. I'm not supposed to marry this person or, or conversely, the opposite. That does happen. Of course that happens. Don't hear me saying that. But I think many times finding the will of God is, what do you want for your life? All right, that's number one. Now, number two, get wise counsel. Get wise counsel. I mean, how could I not put that on the list this morning? In terms of wisdom, how do we as people not want to have wise counsel? How many of you are familiar with the name Parker Palmer? Any of you Christians, maybe for a long time? Parker Palmer is a, a Quaker. Quakers have been around since the 1600s. And uh, from the very beginning of the Quaker movement, this is fascinating, they've set up, and Pastor Linda kind of turned me on to this guy some years ago, they set up what are known as clearness committees. And we've mentioned this before in the church, but I'm kind of like, why don't we do this more? And you may go, what's a clearness committee? This is what Palmer says in one of his books, and I, I had to put it up. It's kind of a long quote, but it's good. Many of us face a dilemma when trying to deal with a personal problem, question, or decision. On the one hand, we know that the issue is ours alone to resolve and that we have the inner resources to resolve it. 
But access to our own resources is often blocked by layers of inner stuff, confusion, habitual thinking, fear, despair. On the other hand, we know that friends might help us uncover our inner resources and find our way, but by exposing our problem to others, we run the risk of being invaded and overwhelmed by their assumptions, judgments, and advice, a common and alienating experience. As a result, we often privatize these vital questions in our lives at the very moment when we need all the help we can get. Put that on the website, too. I mean, it's, uh, it's really good. This is what I'm proposing as a church, you know, and, and as one of the pastors in the church, can I, be, can I talk to you, honestly? You know what amazes me in being a pastor's kid? I've seen so many people get counseled by my parents. I've seen them try to help people and give advice and give wisdom. And again, they're not perfect. No, none of us are perfect, right? But I've seen so many people make train wreck decisions because they go at it alone and they don't ask people. They buy a house, they marry somebody, they do something, and they never ask any, they don't ask anybody. And then when it happens, why did God do this to me? And my first question to you will be, so, so you can hear me if, as we grow together, and you could say this to me, who did, you, who did you confer with? Who were you making decisions with? Who is your team? Who is part of your clearness committee? If you don't have a clearness committee and you're going about making decisions on your own, you're headed for disaster. You're headed for an epic disaster. Listen, you know what they do? This sometimes takes days. This is normally a three-hour meeting where they come in. They don't give you answers in a clearness committee. All they do is prep. They know what the topic is. They know what the person's looking to encounter, what a job or whatever, and they ask question after question after question. Why don't we do this? Why are we people that do it alone? We talk about it all the time, but it's still something we have to harp on. I'm begging you, imploring you as one of your pastors, that if you don't, that you would get people in your life that you can ask questions to, that you can share stuff with, and you can get their input. But don't come to us as pastors. Don't come to the leaders in the church. If you make decisions, don't get mad at God if you've made a decision all on your own. I can't I can't begin to tell you my own life how many things I could have avoided, how much pain I probably could have avoided if I actually went to people first and said, what do you think? But as I get older, maybe a little bit wiser, I've started to actually lean on people that I trust. And I'll ask questions. What do you think of this? What do you think of this situation? I try to because I know I have so many blind spots and you do too. And the problem is many of us have pride and, we're so, and we, we, we think we can just handle it all on our own. No, I come to church and I'm in my small group. I'm in my hill house. But ooh, don't ask me to talk about my finances with anybody. Don't ask me to talk about my marriage with anybody. I'm here to tell you, listen, if you are a person, you can go at it alone. By all means, that is your choice. Choices, we're talking about choices. That is your decision. But the word of God and this guy, Parker Palmer, would tell you otherwise. That you're going down a road that will lead to destruction. So I, I think that's really important. And, and look what Solomon says in, in 12.15, Proverbs 12.15. I love this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Oh my gosh, how true is that? But he who heeds counsel is wise. He says, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact, uh, what is it? Wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors. You may know that proverb too. Come on, it's true. The wisest man that has ever lived. Now, there's a lot of folly in his life. And ironically, look at 1 Kings 11.3, all right? And he had 700 wives. Wait, did I, it, wait a second. Did I read that right? He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So here is the wisest man that has ever lived. Take it from me, all right? 
it is not a wise decision to marry 700 different people and have all these different relationships. Being married to one person, for some, not for me, but maybe for some of you, is really, really difficult. Right? So again, this is coming from the wisest person that has ever lived. And look what he did. Look at some of his decisions. And his wives turned away his heart. It's like one of the sad parts of the story. It leaves me in kind of a, a somber mood when I read that. But again, we all have blind spots. None of us are perfect. So again, finally, in this last one, I'm, I'm, the second one, I'm begging that you put people in your life and you really start asking questions. The Christian life is not about going solo, but many of us still do it. Again, since I've been a little kid, I've watched, I hope that doesn't happen to you, to me. We, this is what God has given us. All right, now number three. All right, and last, last point, I promise. We're coming to a close in the sermon. Consider the long-term consequences and values in the decision that you're making. The long-term consequences. And I would say one of the common themes in the book of Proverbs is the danger of making rash decisions. Making rash decisions. You know what Pastor Linda always taught me? And she'll always say, if I get upset about something and I want to send a text message back, and I want to send an email back, and I'm heated, I'm irate about something, she'll always be like, honey, honey, just wait 24 hours. You know, when I heard that, right, right, you, Jen, Jen, right, when you heard mom say that to you, how many times mom say that to you? John, mom say that to you, right, making sure you're paying attention, said it to you, how many people has Pastor Linda said that to? How many, all right, how many situations has she bailed you out of, of reminding you, you need to wait 24 hours, because then you cool off and you realize, whoa, let me step back from this for a second, this would have been uh, imprudent if I actually sent that email, if I said something. I would have said something that I regretted. But I think so many times we can be really myopic and we don't really look at the future of our decisions. We look at it and go, will this bring me pleasure right now? Will this bring, if I buy this thing, will this give me pleasure right now? And we forget what's going to happen five years or ten years from now from the, that one decision. The repercussions of one simple decision, the ripple effect that that decision can have in our lives. Can I give you a little illustration, a story? Um, there's a couple. And the couple is a married couple and they're very different, right? The guy is, he's a morning person. I mean, he gets up in the morning, he's happy as a lark, all right? The sun is out, he's excited. That's when he finds so much energy, right? Now, his wife is not a morning person, okay? She's a night owl. That's when she finds... This is not an autobiographical story, okay? Some of you are like looking, thinking it's... No, no it's, not, it's not Megan and I. It's not us. No, it's not, okay? So there is the... It's, it isn't. So I, I should have said that. It's not, okay? It's not about us. But I will say... I'm a morning person. Jesus was a morning person, so obviously. <laughs> but God does love people that, you know, if you like the, you're a night owl, he does like you still, but he really, you know, whatever. He favors morning people. We'll find that out in heaven one day. So here's the story. All right, I mean, he's at full throttle in the morning, and she's not, all right? Now, what's interesting is as time goes on, she wants to stay up at night, and she wants to watch TV and, and stay up kind of late, and she has an idea. She says, you know what, honey? Why don't you just go sleep in the other room, and, you know, I'll stay in here. You go in the other bed, in the other bedroom, the spare bedroom. It's so much easier. You get up early in the morning. I'm not going to wake up. You know, you won't wake me up. I'll stay up late. I'm not going to wake you up at night. She's a little irritated. And there he is, the guy, the husband. He feels a little rejected by the wife. And, you know, you may think, like, ah, oh, it's totally innocuous. What, what, what's the matter? I mean, get it. They're two different people. Their lifestyles are different. What's the big deal if he sleeps in the other bed? Well, I would say to you, it's, there's a huge difference 
because so short-sighted, because what happens is, what about the hundreds and thousands of times that they never say, I love you? They never say goodnight to the other person. They don't talk about the silly, funny stuff that we, you talk about in a bed, and maybe the kids are asleep, or you're just sitting there, the two of you, and as time goes on, their hearts grow cold, and later on down the road, they actually decide to get divorced because they don't love each other anymore. There's nothing. Their, their heart's devoid of any love. There's nothing in there. And you know what? They can't even pinpoint a time when this actually started, but you know what? They've been divorced for some time. It didn't just happen. It was a slow fade like that Casting Crown song. It happened over time. But I would say to you, just like an illustration, that's not really, it's not real. But to think about a story like that, to think about how things happen, one little decision, and we don't think it has repercussions for down the road. One little decision, and you look at down the road, a year, two years, ten years, and you see what happens. May we be a people that really look at every single situation and say, what does this mean for my life, even for my kids? How am I doing in terms of investing in the kingdom? How am I doing in, ter- in terms of investing for retirement? I told you, this is, not a, this is a wisdom sermon. This is, what, this is what Solomon preaches about in his book. This, these are things that we need to talk about as parents. What are we doing? The time that we spend with our kids, the time we don't spend with our kids. What are we doing with our money? How are we at at our jobs? What kind of witness are we when we're at work? What do people say about us? Do they go, man, that person, they're really good at what they do. They really care about this job. Does it glorify God? Everything. When we make a decision, what will happen down the road? I didn't know. We've all made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. But I'm saying to you again, Let's keep that in the back of our minds that these decisions, little decisions, have big effects down the road. At some point, they have repercussions. And, you know, as we come to a close in in this sermon, how do I, I'm thinking to myself, and I say, how do I make decisions? We're coming up on Father's Day, and I'm thinking especially about being a father. I say, how do I make decisions in terms of what kind of father do I want to be for my kids? What kind of man do I want to be for my kids And, and to the people that know me? I want to be somebody that you, I think all of us, you want to be respected. You want to be somebody that people look at and say, yeah, you know what? I really respect the way they live their lives. You know, and as we come to this table, you know what I think? I think there, there's an important, important thought that I, I'd be remiss if I didn't leave you with. I think some of you say, you know what? It's too late for me. You have no idea. Music team, you can come up. We look at it and say, you have no idea the decisions that I've made. And you put things in the can't be redeemed category. Because you say, I made a train wreck of my marriage. My finances are in absolute disarray. At my job, I said something, I did something, and we look at it and say, how can you redeem this? And I would say to you, you are not saved by the quality of the decisions that you have made in your life. You are saved by grace. There is nothing that God cannot redeem. There is nothing that God cannot restore. There is no decision that you have not made, even though the evil one would like you to believe that. There is nothing that you have done in your life. There is no sin that you've committed that is too great for God to overturn it, to overcome that and redeem your life. That is, if you're believing that, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God is a restorer. 
God can bring life into any situation. And I think about, too, I think about the thief that's on that cross. And I thought about it. I said, you know what? There it is again. Here's a guy, 70 decisions every single day, 25,000 decisions every single year. And here is the one thief that is on the cross. And what does the thief say? Lord, he wants to be with him in paradise. Can I be with you in paradise? Can I, can I be forgiven for all my sins? I mean, I'm adding things to it. But this is what the thief is asking for. Is there any way? Is it possible? Look at all the bad decisions that I've made in my life. And I love that. The last decision that Jesus said. Well, his last decision is that he'd be forgiven of his sins. And then what does Jesus say on that cross? Today you will be with me in paradise. Oh God, isn't that such a wonderful story? There is no decision. Again, as we come to this table, there is no decision. There is nothing that you've ever done in your life that can turn you away from the love of God. He loves you now just like he loved you yesterday. And something may have happened this week and you say, I don't know how he can love me. I'm telling you, he does. With an unfailing love, with arms outstretched on a cross, there he was, and he forgave the thief, and he welcomed him into paradise, and one day, guess what? You'll meet the thief, and I'm going to meet that thief. All because of that one decision. Hey, that's what this is about, wisdom. So Lord, I ask as, as we take these elements, Lord, make us, give us hearts of wisdom like Solomon had. Father, he amassed a great fortune and he had so many things that the world would say is wonderful. But Father, I thank you that he was a man that said, I I need wisdom above all else. May you give us that kind of wisdom in making decisions. May you put a clearness committee in our lives, people that we can go to and confer with and people we can trust and be open and vulnerable and transparent. Father, help us to not do this, this Christian walk alone this marathon. There are so many pitfalls. The enemy looks to take us down. He's looking to take us down in so many different ways, a myriad of ways. Father, give us light. Help us see. By the power of your spirit, Father, change us. Make us us the people that conform us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we want to be made more into your image. That's my heart's cry for my life, Father. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more giving. I want to be more generous. I want to be more loving. I want to be more faithful. Oh, Lord, may it be for all of us in this place. May no one leave this place saying, oh, I made a mistake that is irredeemable. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you're the one that restores everything. Amen. Ushers.
intended man was never intended to be alone that's why obviously Eve was created in the garden and our lives we're not, we're not intended to, to live them alone today now in the 21st century may we be a people that really take the wisdom of Solomon take the wisdom from the Bible do life together we have prayer over there to the left my left cafe beautiful day celebrate together thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.